Okay, we're live, and how you doing? And welcome to episode number 176 of the John Riley Project, and this is a podcast all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We're broadcasting, as we always do, from the fabulous JRP Podcast Studio here in Poway, California. Thanks for joining us. You know, we're we're doing the live stream, so we welcome your comments and questions. You can just type them into the Facebook or YouTube comments, and we'll get your message here. It'll pop up on my screen. We'll read it on the air. We'll have a little conversation, a little dialogue. We'll have some fun with it. Um, but yeah, today we're going to talk. A, you know, I had a number of things on my mind, it, and it's, it's interesting how I do this podcast and since the beginning of September, I've really tried to be very disciplined to doing a live stream every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I'll tell you what, it's not easy because you got to come up with content all the time and you want to keep it fresh and original. And, and it's hard, you know, especially when you've got a job and you've got a family and you've got other life responsibilities, but I'm so glad I am because it's holding me accountable. But I'll tell you what, going into today, I was not sure what we were going to talk to. And then the idea sort of came to me this morning. And we're going to talk about, you know, Amy Cohen Barrett. And, you know, she's the new Supreme Court justice nominee. And we're going to use all of that. A lot of we'll talk some politics, some national, local politics. But we'll use all of that as sort of a jumping off point to to get to some self-improvement topics, which are things that I've been wanting to spend a lot more time on, because I think ways that we can talk about benefiting our personal and business lives is so rewarding, so valuable, not only for you and the audience, at least I hope it is, but for me personally, it is as well. But um, yeah, so <laughs> that's that's our plan today. It's going to be Amy Cohen Barrett and what I'm calling the positive energy loop, which I'll get to as we unfold this podcast. So again, we're live streaming on here on Facebook and YouTube. So type your questions and comments in. I'll read them on the air. We'll have a little bit of a dialogue. And, you know, we had yesterday, well, not yesterday, our last podcast was on Monday. We had Chris Olps and uh, we had a three hour long conversation. And the last time he was on was back in May of 2019. We had another three hour marathon. Uh, Chris is a great guest. And Chris is, of course, a candidate for Poway City Council. And he just does so much research and has so much information and he's so passionate about what he pursues. And so he just had a lot to say. It was kind of funny. Sometimes it was hard for me to fit a word in edgewise, but it's still all good. So I, for those of you that joined us for that podcast, um, couple days ago. Thank you. And I know a lot of people have been downloading the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. A lot of people have downloaded the recent Chris Olps podcast from two days ago. And of course, I'm always tracking our views and our hours and, and, the, uh, and there's been a lot with that podcast. So thanks again for everyone for participating. But you know, just, to, just in case you're wondering, um, my downloads have like doubled in the last month. It's, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're doing this consistently Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So not only is there more content, more episodes, but I think more people are becoming exposed uh, to what we're doing here and more people are jumping on board and, and thank you for your support. And, you know, in YouTube, our, our views and, and our hours watched have also been greatly improving. And, 
And I think a lot of that has to do with the political season, especially since I cover a lot of local politics. So um, anyways, before we get into Amy Cohn Barrett and the positive energy loop, I just want to share with you kind of a fun experience. So um, last night was my turn to do the cooking in the house and I am not a cook. And it's funny as I remember my, my wife and I, we met in college and I remember she told me very early on in our, our relationship, she says, I just want you to know I'm not a cook. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, all right. I think I can handle that. And let's, let's talk it through. Maybe we can learn together. And, and I certainly wasn't a cook growing up. And, and so, you know, it's interesting when you look at your marriage, you look at your family and your children and you know, you have strengths and you know, you have weaknesses, right? I think we all kind of know what they are, but for our family, definitely cooking has always been a weakness for us. And, uh, there are times when we'll sign up for HelloFresh or some of those services that'll deliver the food and you get the ingredients, you know, like a little micro bottle of vinegar and they set them up. Have you ever used any of those services? They're wonderful. Um, and we've gone through other phases of following cookbooks and really struggling and trying. But I'll be honest, we eat out a lot. We do eat a lot of takeout. And I know that's not good. And I know that's probably why I need to lose some weight again. But it's just the nature of the business. Well, what's interesting is, is that, you know, my children to, you know, they're, my daughters just turned 23. My son will be 21 in a couple of months and, you know, they're athletes and their metabolism runs at the speed of light. So, um, they're lean and mean. And, you know, even though we may not have been the best cooks at home, um, they're still doing well, but my daughter really is making a big effort to eat more healthy. And I think that's great. And she, you know, surrounds herself with a lot of her friends are very, very into being lean in terms of the food they eat and everything. And so to my daughter's credit, she's trying to get, our family back into this. And so we've got a deal where every night, Monday through Thursday, at least each of us takes turns with responsibility for cooking dinner. And so my daughter has Monday, I have Tuesdays, and then my wife has Wednesday and my son has Thursday. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday are just wild cards, just kind of whatever happens. So usually when I cook, I'm going to – you ever watch Sam the Cooking Guy? I mean, I just – I remember seeing him when he had a show – on channel four, like on the local, you know, the Cox station, this was back when the Padres were on channel four in the nineties and he had his own show. And I just loved his, his style, his sense of humor. And some of his recipes are really, really good. And, and so every time that I cook, I always try to pick a Sam, the cooking guy recipe. And I did last night, I did chicken smash burgers. And I mean, they were, they turned out really good, but I'll tell you what, it's just, when you have to cooking is hard. I mean, it really is. I mean, I had to like, you know, get, you have like five or six different pots and pans and ovens all going at the same time and trying to synchronize all that at the same time. It's just hard. I mean, it's no wonder that, um, you know, we're not very good at cooking, but, uh, you know, I, by the time I was done cooking dinner, I was almost too exhausted to, to eat it. And, you know, because it was like more mentally exhausting and normally like I, one of my responsibilities in the house is I always clean the kitchen. That's my thing. And I always do the dishes, no matter who's cooking, I kind of enjoy it. It's sort of Zen for me. I get like a little bit of tranquility in doing it. Um, and 
last night they told me, they said, Hey dad, we've got it. You know, because I had, I must have used every pot and pan in the house to create this recipe. So I go, Oh my God. So I'm still exhausted from that last night. So if any of you have any really good cooking recipes that are like easy, you know, please send them my way. So Pat Johnson says, I'm making your podcast part of my day as often as I can keep up the great job, Pat. Thank you. And I really appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I'm enjoying doing this. I'm enjoying doing it consistently Monday, Wednesday, Friday at two. Um, and I'm glad that other people are making a point during their day to listen or watch. So, yeah, we'll have some fun with this. And, um, yeah, I, I'm blessed. I'm lucky. You know, I'm a, I own my own business. I do consulting. I do project work. I make my own schedule. I know for a lot of people, two o'clock in the middle of the day, man, you're at work. You know, you got other commitments. I'm lucky that I can do it at this time. So um, for those of you that join us, thank you very much. And Pat, you're a good man. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so I'm still recovering from my cooking episode from last night. But um, anyways, let's I want to talk a little bit about Amy Cohen Barrett. And, you know, she's the nominee for the Supreme Court justice. And, you know, this is all in the news and everyone is going bananas about all this. And the 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 hearings are, you know, on TV, on all the major cable news stations. And there's a lot of chatter online and and all sorts of things. Um, Pat Johnson says you also should do a chopped competition. We used to do it once a month and it's a blast. What's a chopped competition? I don't understand that. Maybe is this a cooking thing? I don't know. (laughs) So um, anyways, uh, there's been a lot. I haven't sat down and actually watched any of the Amy. Well, Pat now says chopped is a show on HGTV. Okay. Home and garden television. I'll check it out. Um, But I haven't sat down and really watched the hearings. I've seen little video clips and I've seen headlines and I've read a few articles and, you know, pretty much we all know that she's going to get nominated. Right. I mean, the Republicans have power in the Senate, whether you like Amy Cohen Barrett or not. Let's be real. She's going to be nominated. And sure, a couple of Republican senators said they're not going to vote for, but the Republicans will end up having enough. And there, frankly, there could be some Democrats, especially Democrats in red states that might vote for her um, and approve her. So I expect that she's going to be nominated. Um, But I, I and I mentioned this in a previous podcast. The the Republicans are very disingenuous on how they're going about this because you know with the whole um, uh, what the heck was that guy's name the, the 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 nominee that President Obama had recommended there at the end Merrick Garland and so. You know, he Obama recommended Merrick Garland. The Republicans said, no way, man, it's the last year of the presidency and we need to wait till after the election. And so when the Republicans are in power, they don't follow their own rule. They just say, you know, B.S., you know, we've got we've got the power. We've got the White House. We've got the Republican uh, power in the Senate. And, you know, seats open, fill the seat, constitutional duty. Booyah. <laughs> so that's what they're doing. And it's just it's two faced uh, morally. It's two faced. But legally, they have the right to do it. You know, so they're pushing it through. And I expect that she's likely going to be nominated, barring any other problems. But it it is interesting, like Ben Sass, And I did see a little bit of his clip where he was condemning. I think it was Amy Klobuchar because 
you know, when the when they have the judicial hearings and the senators are way the heck up on, on the die, you know, where they're in the high and lofty spot where they can look down on the nominee. Usually they use their time just to showcase and, um, um, you know, just to just to bloviate their own comments rather than really get into to some serious discussion. And apparently Klobuchar, who I thought did a really good job in the nomination, the Democratic presidential nomination race, I thought she was doing really well. But apparently she was going on and on about Trump and COVID. And then Ben Sass gets up there and says, yeah, well, you know, if some eighth graders are watching, they're not going to understand what we're doing. You know, this is a judicial hearing. We should be talking about the judge. But Ben Sass, who's the Republican senator from Nebraska, there's been a few things that he said over the t- his time where I really liked. And the one he made mention of, he said this a couple of years ago, and it's really playing out now. And it's how the the balance of power, the three co-equal branches of government have been completely warped and distorted. And so, you know, it used to be that the Congress was the area where there was politicization and, and debate, heavy debate and sometimes ugly debate. And that's where, you know, they fought and, and brawled and and it was all in, in, in the House of Representatives. And then the senators would do the same thing, but from a more distinguished point of view, um, the presidency, the way it was supposed to work is that the Congress passes the laws. The president enforces the laws. Congress passes the budget. The president signs the budget. Um, And the president was, you know, held in check by the other branches of government. Um, And then, of course, the president was commander in chief and had a lot more authority when it came to times of war. And then the judicial branch had always been sort of this non-political place, this place where these these judges were sort of. Um, above politics, and they just were judging by the Constitution, and they weren't on anybody's team. They weren't on a red team or a blue team. I mean, Ben Sass talks about that. They don't wear a red cloak or a blue cloak. They always wear a black cloak, you know, and and I think that idea of three co-equal branches, Congress being the area of politicization and debate and fight, the executive branch, the president being the one that executes the laws and enforces the laws and the judicial branch being the one that makes sure things are constitutional. They're sort of the referees. That makes sense. But Ben Sass talks about how now the whole thing is flipped around where now the the Congress doesn't even have debate anymore. I mean, Justin Amash, who's I've commented quite frequently on this podcast, he's been tweeting a lot lately talking about how Congress never has open debate there. They don't take amendments anymore. What happens is, is that Pelosi um, in, in the House, she gets together with other leaders and then they decide what bills are going to come forward and then boom, you got to vote on it in, in like one or two days and you've got thousands of pages to read and they don't take amendments and there's no debate. It's almost like they've lost their ability to legislate um, and it's been going on this way not just with Pelosi, but it was like that with Paul Ryan and it was like that with, um, oh, what was the guy's name? Uh, Boehner. Um, and it's been like this for a long time. So Congress now not only doesn't have the debate, doesn't really do the 
the the aggressive, the fighting, the the debate, the brawling, you know, which is what Congress is supposed to be about, where they hash it out and they work it out. Um, right now, it's just the leaders of Congress are making decisions and then their plebes essentially are just following along like lemmings. And meanwhile, they've also abdicated a great deal of their power. The Congress no longer wants to vote on really tough decisions because they don't want to alienate voters back home. They don't want to upset anyone because they don't want to be you know, voted out of office. So they typically wuss out and they won't make hard, take hard positions. Meanwhile, they've, they've abdicated all their power to the presidency. And the presidency is the one, the, the executive branch, that has gotten more and more powerful. And again, this is bipartisan. It doesn't matter if it's Clinton or Bush W. Bush or if it's Obama or if it's Trump. It just keeps going on. And there are more and more agencies, the alphabet soup agencies, bureaucrats that are unelected, that are making re- regulations that are effectively the similar to laws and that the executive branch becoming more and more powerful and inflating the ego of our current of our current man in the White House. But then meanwhile, the judicial branch, the branch that is supposed to be um, above politics, that is supposed to be the referee, supposed to be neutral, has now turned into the area of the aggressive fighting and the and the politicization and 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 the chaos and the shrieking. And we see this now every time we have a Supreme Court nominee. And so I give credit to Ben Stass for. It's kind of a bit of a schoolhouse rock kind of a uh, a deal. But, you know, all three branches have kind of gotten whacked out. All three branches have now been distorted. And, you know, and neither party really has any desire to kind of hit the reset button and put it back to the way it used to be. So, of course, now with the Amy Cohen Barrett, it's heavily, heavily, heavily politicized. So the Republicans love her. They think she's terrific. And, you know, she's you know, she's tough, you know, in her interviews and and she has very strong conservative opinions, which a lot of the Republicans like. And meanwhile, the Democrats are like aghast. They don't like some of her writing, some of her opinions. I guess there's some things that are going on in her church that have been, you know, concerning, um, you know, was it the handmaids? And I don't know. I haven't been following any of it. I know they've been making reference to that Amazon Prime show about the handmaids. Um, but it, it's it's interesting, too, how how religion is so worked up into this where um on one hand, you know, Amy Cohen Barrett, she's a Catholic and she's a very, you know, hardcore Catholic, I guess to say, very a true believer, very involved with her church. Um, and I think she's involved in, you know, some other areas of it. I don't know the detail, but I, I would say she's a very strong Catholic and people are taking some objection to her religion. But it's funny how other politicians like, how do I say this? For the perspective of Republicans, they see someone like Ilhan Omar, who is the congresswoman from from Minneapolis, who is a Muslim, who, you know, wears, uh, again, I forgive me if I don't know the exact phrase for it, but wears the, the, um, the headpiece that's consistent with her religion. And, you know, she frequently comments about her religion and she is condemned by a lot of the Republicans. Now here comes 
a Supreme Court nominee who is also religious and they love her for it. And then it works in the opposite direction, too, where the Democrats don't have a problem with Ilhan Omar and her Muslim religion, but they have big problems with Amy Cohen Barrett and her religion. So it's just stupid how this is all playing out. Um, but, you know, everyone is really worried. Of course, every election cycle that, or every nominee is, has always been a deal since what Judge Bork. When was that? Like 87, 89? When was Bork? Um, and that was the first guy that really made this whole thing heavily, heavily politicized. And it's just been getting worse and worse. So now everyone's really concerned. Are, 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 is Roe v. Wade going to be overturned? Are gay rights and L- LGBTQ rights going to be overturned? Is uh, the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, is that going to be overturned? And a lot of my friends on the left are thinking it's Armageddon if she gets nominated. My friends on the right are kind of, you know, uh, twirling their mustache and, you know, rubbing their palms. They're very excited and happy for her to be nominated. And she probably will. But the thing that's interesting is, is that if, you know, if she's nominated and she becomes the tie-breaking vote that overturns Obamacare overturns the Affordable Care Act. Doesn't it seem strange in our society that one person, one person who's unelected has the power to have that much um, influence or control over our health care system? One person. So it makes me think, why Why are these people, why do they have so much power? Um, maybe we need to relax that and let the people figure out their own health care rather than having these um, ju- you know, judicial you know, judges or politicians do it for us because they always screw it up. I mean, look at our health care system now. It's a freaking disaster. Um, Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, has made health care less affordable. In fact, you know, President Obama, you know, sold it as though it were flattening the curve, which means that it's going to keep getting less and less affordable, but just at a slower rate of increase. Um, so uh, Pat Johnson says, my concern is her lack of experience, Law review, clerk for Supreme Court, many years teaching and only three years on the bench with limited decision and writings. Yeah, she has very little experience, but that's by design because the more experience she has, the more cases she's ruled on, then you see where her leanings are. Right now, she's sort of, from a judicial point of view, kind of a little bit of a blank slate, but apparently her commentary, her writings, you know, she showcased where she lands on a lot of these things. Now, Speaking for myself, um, every time I see these Supreme Court justices come forward and you're thinking, which ones do you like? Do you like the ones promoted by the Republicans? Do you like the ones promoted by the Democrats? And for me, it's usually a mixed bag. Um, There are some things I like that the the I guess the more liberal judges put forward. And there are some things I like that the more conservative judges put forward. I I think Gorsuch, I mean, I'm no fan of Trump, but I thought Gorsuch was a pretty good nominee. Um, But when it comes down to Amy Cohen Barrett, everyone's really concerned about um, individual rights, you know, rights of women, rights over their own body and the rights of of our our LGBTQ friends, um, you know, so they have equal rights with everyone else. I mean, you're going to find no stronger proponent for equal rights in this nation than me. Um, I am a huge proponent 
for equal rights for, you know, because for everybody, everyone having the same inalienable rights of life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, which is what this podcast is all about. The whole notion of equality under the law, huge, hugely important to me. Um, so obviously I'm sharing some of that concern as well. But I really, my gut's telling me, my instinct says, is that even if she is nominated, I don't think we're going to go backwards. I don't think they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. I, don't, I just don't see that happening. I think if I remember correctly, like roughly 70 percent of the people in America are pro Roe v. Wade. Um, and if Roe v. Wade was overturned, it'd be, oh, my God, it'd be like a revolution in the streets. I mean, rightfully so. And, you know, I. I get why I understand the logic of the pro-life crowd. I understand it. I respect it. There is logic to their point of view. That's the thing with the abortion issue is there's a sound argument on both sides Um, there. It's not clearly right or clearly wrong most of the time. Um, And now, obviously, depending on your point of view, you may think it's massively wrong or massively right. Um, But I, you know, it's for the longest time, I had always been pro-choice on abortion. And in fact, I've commented on this podcast. It was one of the seminal political um, topics in, in my lifetime. In college, I learned about this whole idea. I mean, the whole concept of abortion was completely off the radar for me until I got to college when I started learning th- these things. And um, it made sense to me, you know, this whole notion that you should have power over your own life, that you should have control over your own body. And that's a lot of the reason why I'm such a liberty minded person today. Um, I apply the whole notion of pro-choice to everything in life, I think, as it should. Um, But for the longest time, I always said to myself, yeah, I'm pro-choice, but I'm not really for abortion. You know, people used to say abortion should be legal but rare. And I think Bill Clinton said something along those lines. But I remember hearing someone else make a comment about abortion. And this really struck me and it made me shift my opinion a little bit. And this guy said that not only was he pro-choice, he was pro-abortion. And immediately you hear that and you kind of the hair on the back of your neck sticks up. But his point was, is that um we have an inalienable right to our life. We have the ability to control our own life. What more control of your own life there is, in, is, is actually controlling your body. And if you don't have the, the ability to make choices about your own body, then really what kind of liberty do you have? What type of an inalienable right to your own life do you really have? And people will say, well, you know, they, they need to give birth to the child because you know, they need to show responsibility. Well, what could be more responsible than having an abortion if you know you don't have the ability, the financial means, a partner to help you raise this child? Having an abortion is the responsible thing to do in many, many cases. And then people will also say, well, what about, you know, in the third trimester and you can't have abortions then? Well, how many people really have abortions in the third trimester? It's very rare. And it's usually only in a cases where the child is 
you know, is going to have some serious, serious problem um, that is going to make their life extraordinarily difficult um, or create an incredible burden on the mother and father and probably extended family. And, you know, sometimes they have to make that tough choice. And I mean, Pete Buttigieg was talking about this where, you know, sometimes it's the mother and the father, they've already got the crib picked out and they had full intention. So, the cases of abortions in a third trimester are just such rare cases, such exceptions to the rule. Um, but, you know, again, I'm I'm very, very, very pro-choice and I'm very, very, very pro-equal rights for women, for men, for gays, for lesbians, for everybody, blacks, whites, equal rights, equality under the law. Um, so I am concerned but I don't think it's going to happen. And I've commented on that with some friends and they say, Oh yeah, it's easy for you. Some white male with a Y chromosome, you don't have anything to worry about. Well, I do. I do have something to worry about. I have a daughter, you know, who's in her early twenties and, you know, I have family and, and, you know, I, it's important that they have those same rights. Um, but, uh, again, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, you know, granted, she has made some very strong opinions made about how she was against abortion. She thought the Roe v. Wade decision was decided incorrectly, but I still cannot imagine it's going to be overturned. Um, the other interesting thing is coming up in these um, judicial nominations is this whole idea of originalists um, versus the concept of a living constitution. And this has always been a weird one uh, that I had trouble understanding because the Constitution is the law. OK, the Constitution is like the original set of laws that defined the role of government and laid out the specific duties and responsibilities of various elected officials, guaranteed rights for the people. I mean, the Bill of Rights does that. The Constitution is a legal document. It's really the first set of laws um, in the United States of America or, or close to that. Um, but then it's, it's interesting how some people say, well, you know, it, the Constitution kind of needs to evolve. And, you know, not everything's the same as it was in the 17. What was it? Ninety one. I don't know. When was the Constitution signed? It was 1789, I think. The, things aren't the same as they were then. You know, the Constitution needs to evolve. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, OK, there's a process for that. An amendment process. If you want to amend the Constitution, that's what it should be. But I, I see things in there like where with free speech, you know, where Congress shall make no law to abridge free speech. It says it right there. But people still think that free speech should be limited. And they use Citizens United as their example. And they go on and on about, well, it meant, you know, cor the people, corporations aren't people and it has nothing to do with it. <laughs> you know, free speech is all about limiting the power of government, not delivering a specific right to an individual as opposed to a corporation. It's not about individuals versus corporations in the First Amendment. It's strictly about limiting government. So um, and even with the Second Amendment, um, there are people that want to infringe on the right to keep and bear arms. Um, and I'm thinking you know, there's an amendment process for this. So, you know, Amy Cohen Barrett claims to be a um, an originalist. 
I kind of like that. Uh, that makes sense to me because words have meanings and words were written. And we can go back and decipher what those words really meant at the time they were written. That's a fair point. But the whole concept of a living constitution where the words don't really mean what they mean anymore just because it's a few hundred years later. I mean, come on. You know, the, the law is the law. And if you want to change the law, there's process. Um, so the fact that she's an originalist, I think, is terrific. Um, Bruce Hugh goes on to say, important for everyone, relatives, neighbors and strangers. You said it before. This is all about power and control. Um, White House 1013, sorry to hit and run. Yeah, Bruce is right. A lot, of, a lot of what's happening with politics, generally speaking, they don't care about you. They don't care about me. And, and I'm mainly talking about national politics. They only care about themselves. The politicians just want power for them and control over you. And that's what this whole thing is a battle about. Um, at the local level, it's a little different. I think the local politicians really do care about the people that are electing them, but still, even for them, it's about power. I mean, let's be honest. Um, Pat Johnson said September 17th, 1787. I guess that's when it was signed. Thank you for that. You know, it's funny. Here's another weird trivia. Some people will say, well, you know, God isn't mentioned in the Constitution. And and God, by the way, is mentioned in the Declaration of Independence. You know, the whole notion of uh you know, our inalienable rights come from our creator. Um, creator, by the way, could be God or could be nature, depending on your point of view. But in the Constitution, they say God is not mentioned, but it is mentioned in a funny place. And it's right there where it's signed September 17, 787, because it says in the year of our Lord. <laughs> so that's a little bit of a gotcha question when you debate that with someone else. But um, so I, in the end, I think... Um, I think Amy Coma Barrett, she's going to be nominated. Um, I don't think the Democrats can stop her. Uh, the Republicans, you know, like them or not, they have the power to do this. They're not doing it ethically. They're violating their, their own, you know, moral high ground that they had with Merrick Garland. They're violating that. But legally, that's a fully within their right to do it. So I'm just hoping that um, – my prediction is true that Roe v. Wade is not turned over um, and that people do not you do not lose rights, that we all have equal rights and equality under the law. And we should have that. But at any rate, you know, it's a weird time and there's the Supreme Court nominee nominations are going and it's election season and it's just so much noise out there. And it's Trump and Biden. And, and I mean, that's the whole other circus. Um, and then, you know, the propositions and on television, you know, thankfully I watch a lot less TV these days. Um, I used to watch cable news quite a bit. And in fact, I used to think um, Fox was right wing, MSNBC was left wing and CNN was kind of down the middle. And that's obviously not true anymore. Um, but it's just so much squawking and shrieking and it's just, I just turned it off. And, and so I, I go online and I get my, my information from a variety of sources um, and I distill the truth myself. And that's been very good and very helpful for me. Um, but I turn a lot of that nonsense off. Well, when I have seen what little bit of news or commercials I've seen are the, for the propositions and those are just 
the most frustratingly horrible commercials because they never really say what the proposition really is. They just, it's all about emotional heartstrings and trying to sway you one way or the other. And you come out of it, you know, not really even understanding what the whole thing's about. Um, I always get really angry with those, those, um, those ads. And then even at the local level, you know, it's getting hot, you know? And so, you know, we had Chris Olps on yesterday and really good conversation there, but, but, you know, here in Poway, I've talked about how measure P, which is the, you know, the, the proposal to put housing at the, at the former Stone Ridge country club um, location, uh, the farm in Poway, man, you go out on nextdoor.com here in Poway. That is a hot, hot topic. The conversation is way more heated in next door than it is in Facebook. So um, it's just, you know, you got the Supreme Court, you got president, you got these propositions, you got all these local elections. And um, Steve Voss is running for for um, supervisor. And I wanted to read this to you. This is interesting. I got a um, a text message and it said, uh, and I got, I don't even know who this is from, but John, did you hear Joel Anderson got caught laundering $150,000 in illegal political donations, a $20,000 fine? Um, and this is from James with Community Voices SD. Um, my, my phone has just been getting lit up with all these crazy text messages, and I've just been hitting block number, delete, block number, delete um, on all of these. Uh, And the hit pieces are flying here in Poway. There was some nonsense about um, child sex trafficking involving some of our um, local city council people. And you're thinking, what is what's going on here? You know, there's just a lot of craziness. So I guess what I'm getting to is, is that there's just so much negative energy right now. It's it's just such a drag. And um, I'm kind of at the point now where I used to always pride myself that I would vote on election day. Now I'm thinking I just want to fill out my damn ballot and then go drop it off and just be done with it. Um, you know, I have some strong opinions on the issues, but I just don't want the nonsense to keep going. I don't want to just keep getting wrapped up in all of this. Um, I just want to make my decision and move on. And by the way, uh, my friend Dennis at the Postal Annex here in Poway, he's got the Postal Annex right there next door to um, Target. Um, he's got actually got registrar of voter um, people there in his office, you know, so you can you can drop off an official ballot with an official registrar of voters person in an official drop box, you know, not some of the nonsense ones we've been hearing about. So I'm going to probably do that maybe today or tomorrow and just be done with it. Um, but, uh, you know, Again, we welcome your comments and, and, and questions. Feel free to drop a comment or a question in the live stream. If you're watching on YouTube or on Facebook, I'll be happy to read it on the air. We can have a little bit of a conversation. But, you know, this, my podcast, I've been doing it now for a little over two years. I've only been doing the live streaming now for a little over a month and on a consistent basis. And I, I'm really enjoying this. I mean, this project for me is extremely rewarding. And and I thank all of you that are following and listening and watching as I share this with you, because, 
you know, I'm in this originally I got in this because I love talking about big ideas. And we started by inviting a lot of the local Poway politicians for city council, mayor and school board. And we had some really great conversations. Um, but you know, sometimes political discussions are really good and really interesting, but then obviously sometimes they can take an ugly turn. Um, I love being able to have those engaging, deeper conversations on big ideas. And yesterday or Monday when Chris Olps was um, in the podcast, we had some of that. And I think that was great. And Chris like I said on the podcast, I, I love what he does because he he's in there, he's digging, he's finding information. Now, he and I don't always agree. And sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. Um, but I appreciate what he does uh, because he's he's doing his due diligence. He's sharing information that he learns about with other people. And, you know, he's he's trying to do what he believes is the right thing. Um, but in my interview podcast with politicians, I typically try not to be overly aggressive with my thoughts and my own opinions because I want them to share because I know that for you in the audience, it's an opportunity to get to learn who these people are. And yeah, I'll poke them a little bit, but I'm not really aggressive. I don't want them to think that when they come on this podcast, they're walking into a lion's den. Now, I don't expect it to be all softballs either, but um, I tend to try to be pretty, you know, not aggressive. Um, in these solo podcasts, I'm way more <laughs> expressive with my opinions and thoughts. And I like that balance. And for me, I'm loving this conversation and how it's, it's going. Now, Matthew Brannigan says the ton of flyers I've been getting in the mail is a terrible waste of paper. I just throw them away without even looking. Yeah. You know, my wife and I were talking about that yesterday where, um, you know, she, she was, at you know, our recycle bin and she had our mail and she was just going through it. And that all of the of our oversized postcards for a lot of these um, propositions. And she goes, you want to look at these? I'm like, no, I already figured it out. I did a whole podcast on the proposition. So yeah, there's a lot of money being spent. And, you know, if you're able to, you know, participate in that, good for you. You know, I, I, my marketing agency, I do some of what I do is direct mail advertising. Um, I do a lot more online advertising though. And, um, I I'll tell you this doing business with politicians is tricky. Um, you always have to get paid in advance because if you don't, and the campaign ends or their campaign funds run out of money, you're screwed. Um, the likelihood of, a politician skipping on a bill is much higher than most companies because the company is going to be there for a while. The politician and their campaign could end in a, in a matter of weeks or months. So you always got to get paid up front. Um, and I remember someone telling me that a long time ago because there were a few direct mail companies here in San Diego that really carved out that niche in the political space. And I remember talking to them and they always said, yeah, you got to make sure they pay up front. But, yeah, they spend a lot of money, you know, on those direct mail ads. Um, but I, I'm of the opinion now it's what October 14th. I think most people have voted by now, don't you think? Because, you know, first of all, about three quarters of the people in San Diego County vote by mail in the first place. They get absentee ballots. But I think there's so much, um, you know, fear, uncertainty and doubt about the Postal Service that, People are now deciding, well, I'm going to vote right away so I don't uh, run the risk of it getting lost in the mail or something crazy happening. So I think 
as we get later into the election season, I think a lot of the advertisements are not going to move the needle much one way or the other for the candidates, but they're going to keep spending that money and you know, they will. Um, but I'm, I'm what I'm noticing, and this is where I want to go with this. I want to transition a little bit from politics to a little bit of self-improvement because I find that when I'm on, I'm on social media a lot. And part of it is because I enjoy it. I have friends. Like I said, I love the discussion, the conversation. Um, But there's so much negative energy right now um, on, on social media. And, and it's, there are giant wars and flaming going on and people getting banned from Facebook or Twitter. Um, There are just, I, I can look up, you know, I'm in a couple of um, uh, private uh, groups in Facebook where like one of them is called civil debates. And there's some interesting discussion and people are reasonable and rational, but it's beginning more and more irrational as we're getting near the, the, the election. And it's just it's too much negative energy right now. That's why I keep thinking I just want to vote and just get it over with, turn the page and then move on to some other things, uh, because I, I know that I have no control over how this whole thing is going to go. I have one vote. My one vote is important to me. It's my expression of my own values. But I'm under no delusion that my one vote is going to you know, break a tie. My one vote isn't going to flip California from blue to red. My one vote isn't going to change any one race because the likelihood of that happening um, is less than the likelihood of being struck by lightning, most likely. Um, or as Chris Olps and I said, uh, the likelihood of a 2-2 uh, split vote on the Poway City Council. So um, I'm just getting kind of fed up with all the senselessness of this. And so I'm just trying to gain a better perspective. And, you know, for the long, you know, like I'm 55 right now, that's my age. And it's interesting, like when I look back on my life and, you know, I'm a teenager and I'm high school, college, and then, you know, my 20s and trying to get my my life launched, essentially. I got married when I was 29 and then, um, you know, had kids in our 30s. And, you know, you go from just trying to figure out life and get a career going. And the next thing you know, you have children and that takes over your life. And and now my children are adults and you know, you begin to you have the opportunity now to sort of reflect on your own life a lot more um, when you're at this stage. And I'm I just have a lot more kind of awareness about things. Um, I remember when I was growing up, I uh, would hear people talk about, oh, you know, you need to, you know, always have gratitude every morning and you need to um, uh, you need to journal every day. And that's really helpful. And, and I thought, man, that's just a bunch of BS new age stuff. And that's just stupid. I mean, we just need to, you know, get out there. I got things to do. You got to get your to do list going and 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 you just get in the rat race and you just start running and running and chasing things and you lose perspective. You lose a sense of awareness. You really, you're doing things, but you don't really know why you're doing them. You, you think you know why you're doing them, but you really don't know why you're doing those things. Um, and so as I've gotten older, I've gotten a tremendous amount more perspective and awareness of these sorts of things. And what I'm finding is, is that 
this whole notion of a negative energy loop and a positive energy loop. And this is what is killing me in this political season. And when I'm flipping through Facebook or Twitter and just all the freaking noise um, is that the negative energy, the negative content, the negative information is the input into our brain. It's so it's like garbage in garbage out. Right. So this negative content is flowing into my mind. All right. And it leads to like just negative emotions. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll get into cases where I I'll start, you know, getting down on myself and feeling, you know, very self-critical and kind of critical of other people. And, and just a lot of, I don't know, for lack of a better term, like anger or hate, but that's probably too strong of a, of an emotion, but definitely a negative feeling. And then what, when I'm, when I have the negative input and I have those negative feelings, well, what happens as a result is that I'm completely unproductive. My mind gets stuck on things. My mind will go into paralysis analysis mode and I'll think and I'll think and I'll overthink and I'll think the same thing over again, multiple, multiple, multiple times. And you get into this negative feedback loop and it just creates more negative energy, more negative input and your self-esteem goes into the tank. And, you know, I go through periods like that sometimes and I just have to force myself to have a pattern interrupt. And I don't know if you experience these things, too, but for me, like a pattern interrupt is, you know, um, I'll go for a walk, which I need to be doing more of. But lately I've been mostly going on drives. I'll just get out of the house Um, because, I, you know, I work from home. I live at home. (laughs) I don't leave home very much. Um, I'll just get out of the house if I need that pattern interrupt. Um, I did that two months ago, by the way, when I went to Pahrump, Nevada, just by myself, uh, just to go somewhere, anywhere. It didn't matter where. And I just picked Pahrump at random. And I had a great time just thinking, not in paralysis analysis mode, but doing really good quality thinking, quality planning, and tremendous self-awareness. That was fantastic as a pattern interrupt. Um, but a lot of times I, I also, I'll go out and I'll listen to other podcasts. Um, Brendan Bouchard is a really good one. If you're into motivational thinking, uh, motivational speaking, positive thinking, self-awareness, this guy is unbelievable. Brendan Bouchard, B-R-E-N-D-O-N-B-U-R-C-H-A-R-D. I can't recommend him enough. Um, really good for, you know, kind of, smacking you upside the head and getting you to think more positively and to really go out, you know, with a sense of, you know, love and positivity. Um, and it's wonderful. And so the, a lot of this was, I've been learning. I mean, I kind of knew some of these things, but a lot of these things I really didn't know. Um, I started journaling, uh, finally after hearing about this forever in 2013, And I'll tell you what, that is an extremely helpful exercise. Um, And, you know, some people say, oh, I don't want to journal. I don't have to write all this stuff down. And what do I'm thinking about? I'll tell you what, what I do, and I do this not every day, but close to every day, like maybe five days a week. Um, At some point when I just need to 
reset myself. Um, sometimes it's in the morning. Sometimes it's in the late morning. Rarely is it in the afternoon or evening. Um, I have a Microsoft Word document on my computer and I'll just type whatever's on my mind. And I just type and type and write and write and I just unload my mind. And that releases a lot of that negative energy. It releases a lot of those negative feedback loops and the paralysis analysis. It releases all of it. And I get it all into an electronic document. And I realize that a lot of the craziness in my mind isn't as bad as I thought it was. I'm able to rearrange things and sort of consolidate thoughts, organize thoughts, and then make my journal entry a lot more, you know, effectively more organized. And then I sort of, for lack of a better term, sort of re-upload it into my mind. And I feel better. I feel cleaner. I feel I'm more focused. I'm more aware. I'm prioritized. It's extraordinarily helpful. So this Microsoft Word document I have on my computer and I've been putting in, like I say, about five entries a week, every day, every week since 2013, this file is enormous. I mean, it's like about a thousand pages and I'll, sometimes I'll go back through it and I'll just roll the clock back to a certain period of time. And it's really interesting to, to see the things that were on my mind, you know, on this date, you know, five years ago. And a lot of times I forgot all about it and I, I'm able to remember it. And that's kind of a little side benefit all of it. But what I want to get to is not just the negative energy loop, but it was the positive energy loop that was really reinforced with me when Catherine Cloward did a podcast with me earlier this year. Now, Catherine has been a guest on the podcast twice. She's an amazing person. Um, she was introduced to me by Steve Dow, another podcast guest, and his wife, Gabby Dow, has been on the podcast. They're a good family. Um, Catherine Cloward is a, an entrepreneur. She's a, a musician. She's an author. She has created, um, she has two personas. She's got, as a musician, of course, as an adult, she's got her old Catherine Cloward uh, piece. And, and she goes out there with her own original music. And she's performed at the Belly Up Tavern here in, in, in San Diego County. Uh, so she's accomplished as a musician. But she's really accomplished in her alter ego called Catherine the Grape. And what she does there is she has written a whole series of books for um, for essentially tweens and then also for younger uh, children, like first and second grade, that teach them about all of these, um, what's the word, um, affirmations, you know, that I am good, I am special. You know, all of these things about making children believe in themselves and be positive and, and go out in a way to positively affect the lives of other people as well as themselves. And she has turned this into um, books. She's turned this into albums. She's um, taken this on the road and has done shows around it. You know, she's working on a television uh, project. That's sort of her goal with this whole thing. I mean, it's an amazing piece of work that she's doing. But when she was here on the podcast, she talked a lot about the whole idea of a positive energy loop. And it was very interesting the way she presented it, because that got me to understand what I had been experiencing. And then I saw the 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 flip side of it, the negative energy loop, which I just went over. But from that angle is it's all about putting positive input in your mind to start with. So not garbage in, garbage out, but good stuff in 
good stuff out. And so when you're putting the positive energy into your mind every day, now that positive energy can come from yourself. It can come from external forces like a Brendan Burchard podcast. It could come from your loved ones that are reaffirming you. Um, That ends up in your mind creating emotions, not of self-hate, but instead of self-love and feeling good about you. And, And then rather than having the output being paralysis analysis, where you get stuck in a rut and you can't escape, what you're able to do is come out of it with massive productivity. And I find that that is so absolutely true, is that when I get into one of those ruts where I'm paralysis analysis and I'm overthinking, I'll have the pattern interrupt. And then what I do is I just go and become extremely productive because when I'm able to go deep, deep, deep in productivity, um, I'm able to uh, feel good about myself and rebuild positive self-esteem. And then that gets me going and that becomes positive energy back into the input. And I get this positive energy loop going. And a lot of it is kind of like the book, Good to Great, where, um, you know, they talked about this whole notion of a flywheel concept, you know, to which we're able to transform businesses. Once you kind of get the rhythm of the thing going, it builds momentum. And then the energy just really starts cranking. And man, it's been so helpful. So in this whole political season, there's just so much noise, negative energy. You know, sometimes I find myself slipping into that negative energy loop. And I'm always looking for that pattern interrupt when I have the awareness and then do what I can to get into the positive energy loop. And then all of the BS and the nonsense just sort of melts away. And that's good. It's a really good thing. And so these are the kinds of topics that I want to begin to reinforce a lot more in this podcast, because for me, this is really helpful to talk about. Um, I, I hope you in the audience get value from this. But for me personally, it helps me understand myself more. It makes me dig deeper into making myself better. And I know that if I, if I understand it to the point where I can explain it to you, then I know it's making a real impact on me. And I really understand it for my own sake. So um, it's, it's interesting now because I'm now thinking like, what can I do with all this? Um, And I, I'm, I'm trying to get into the mode of, you know, writing more and, in this podcast, this project, John Riley Project, it's not just a podcast. This is the podcast is just part of it, although it's the biggest part of it. Um, but I'm trying to get to a point where I'm doing more writing. And I've already been doing some blog articles that are posted on my website. Um, and I'm getting better at it. I'm trying to get into a better rhythm with it. Um, but it, it's it's hard. You know, you know, I have my my day job and I'm doing consulting work like this morning. I was at a meeting in downtown San Diego and driving down there in the morning and having the meeting. And then I had to come back home and then get organized for the podcast. And, you know, I'm kind of flipping from one project to another project. And it's hard to get in that rhythm, into that flow. Um, but I'm really trying hard to do that and trying to get into more writing um, because I think if if I can pull this off, it'd be great if I can do a lot of this writing and then sort of kind of compile all of that writing into something of maybe a book. You know, I think that'd be a really cool thing to do. Um, so I'm trying to 
as I go through this podcast project, still loving the discussion of big ideas. And politics is a part of that, and we'll continue to discuss that. But really looking at it a way that we can take a lot of these big ideas and transform them into ways that we can either improve our personal lives, which I've talked about here with the positive energy loop, or we can use to impact positively our business lives. And I'm going to begin to do more content like that, you know, that's aligned with a lot of the consulting work that I do, that, um, that I do to help improve other people's businesses. So I'm looking forward to doing a lot more of that because I think the political stuff is, is fun. It's interesting. I know the political content helps generate viewership and listenership. And a lot of people come for that. But I'll tell you what, for me, it's good, it's fun, it's energizing, but it can be very draining. Um, Yeah, it can can be very draining. But I don't know. I still still love it all. I just like, I love the conversation. It's just a matter of rising up and getting out of the muck of it all. And it's just been getting muckier and muckier lately. And I I mean, election day can't come soon enough, as far as I'm concerned. Um, But... Mm, what did I have here on my notes here that I wanted to talk about? Uh, this is another interesting topic, and it's kind of sort of aligned with this. And um, I want to share this article that was referred to me by a good friend of mine. His name's Gino. Bruce knows Gino. Bruce and Gino and I and uh, all went to college together. We're all fraternity members. And Gino shared this article, and it's in Inc. Magazine. And I'm going to include... Um, uh, a link in the show notes. It's, I'll just read a little bit off my phone. But it's the passing of Eddie Van Halen reveals an uncomfortable truth about the power of praise. And so this was really cool. And this is kind of aligned with that positive feedback loop. Because when Eddie Van Halen died, I think a lot of us, especially people of my age, were really, really moved by that because this guy was a, you know, he was 10 years older than me, but still sort of a contemporary. It's not like a musician of my parents' age died, like Frank Sinatra. It's like someone of sort of our era. And there has been such an outpouring of emotion around his passing. But a lot of people have been expressing how important um, Eddie Van Halen was to their life at various times in their life and the great memories they had from his music, from his concerts, and how he made a difference in their life. But now he's gone. (laughs) And sure, you know, when he was alive, people probably wrote him letters and said, man, you rock, you're great. Other people may have written him more meaningful longer form letters to really tell stories. But so much of this is happening after he died. And so in this article, which was really, really good, and it's not that long, it's a very short article, but this author was saying, we need to go out right away and find those people in our life that were so meaningful and grab them, grab a hold of them and tell them, how much positive influence they had on their life. And I was like, wow, yeah, that's, that's true. We need to do that. And so now, I mean, I read, I was reading this article just like for five minutes, right before I hit the go live button on this live stream. And for me, the one guy that really, really jumps out to me 
and this is a crazy thing uh for the, this is a crazy one, but it was my geometry teacher in high school. His name was Mr. Blakesley, Claude Blakesley. And I'll tell you what, every day we were in that geometry class, every single day, he must have spoke at least for 10 minutes at the beginning of every class about why it was important to go to college. And I was in the 10th grade, I think, back then. And at that time, college wasn't even on my radar. Um, You know, I came from a very sort of blue collar family, you know, uh, raised by a single mom. And then my mom remarried and married a truck driver. And my mom was an accounting clerk at a trucking company. And, you know, most of the people in my family, and even if you went broader across my, my family, you know, tree, there weren't a whole lot of people. Um, in my family that went to college, I, I could probably cherry pick about three names, maybe four names, but that's it. Um, now granted this is, you know, back in the early eighties when the number of people that went to college was still a relatively low percentage. But for me back then, college wasn't on my radar. My parents weren't necessarily encouraging me to go to college because no disrespect to my parents, but it wasn't really on their radar either. Um, but Claude Blakesley made a huge difference in my life because he made me understand what opportunity really was out there for me. And it really was all about going to college. And I remember he went to Harvey Mudd, you know, the Claremont colleges. I always thought that was the funniest name, Harvey Mudd. Um, And I had to look it up to see if it was true. And back then you had to go to the library to look it up. You couldn't just look it up on the internet, but he made a huge difference in my life, I think about my trajectory in life. If I didn't go to college, I mean, my life would be very different. In fact, when I went away to UC San Diego, right before I was ready to go, my mom didn't want me to go. I mean, I can understand that as a mom, you doesn't want you to leave, but she was trying to convince me to stay home and go to the college of San Mateo, which is a local community college. She even convinced one of my high school friends to talk to me, to try to talk me into staying home. But I was so determined to to move on and create a new life for myself and new opportunity. And I look back at that and Claude Blakesley made a huge difference. Now, I'd love to look him up, but, you know, he was probably in his 40s or 50s back around 1980. So I, he probably isn't alive, but he would be a guy. Now, so maybe you have a, a person. I'm going to actually do some deep thinking on this and maybe I'll do a podcast episode on this. So some of the people that made that big of a difference for me. And that's also a potential blog article that I may, I may do, but Gino Kang shared with me that article. And I, I just thought it was awesome. I mean, it's an awesome article. And, and so we're all mourning the loss of Eddie Van Halen, but if we look at it from the perspective of, you know, we all, we all want praise, right? We, we all are hunting for people to love us <laughs> and in our own ways, right? And we all want to feel good about ourselves. And so when we have special people in our life that tell us that, it really lifts our spirits. So what we need to do is now instead is find those people that were so meaningful in our lives and just grab them and say, man, I love you. And you made a difference in my life. And let me share the story with you. And 
oh man, I, I was, I mean, I'm, I'm still trying to gather my thoughts from this because I just read the article, like literally like five minutes before I hit the, the go live button. Um, so, wow. Uh, it's just amazing. Okay. Um, we're already, gee whiz, we're already over an hour. Um, all right. So I have a closing quote and it's from Steve Jobs. Okay. And it's a really good quote. And Steve Jobs always has good ones, but If you want to continue the conversation, look me up on Facebook, John Riley Project. On my Twitter account is John Riley Poway. Um, If you're watching the live stream, a thumbs up is always good. Um, You can praise me if you want, but really I'm asking for likes because it helps the algorithm and it helps us appear more in search engines. So if that's your thing and you're digging what we're doing, give me a thumbs up. And honestly, if you, if you're, if you're down on what we're saying, you know, give me the thumbs down. If you think I deserve it, it's okay. Just let me know how you feel. Um, All right. So this is a quote from Steve jobs and this is a really, really powerful quote. And I I've seen this in other places, but it's consistent with this whole idea of, the noise that's out there with politics, especially the noise right now, a few weeks out from election day. Um, This is really consistent about the positive energy loop. And it's consistent with Claude Blakesley, my geometry teacher that told me that there was opportunity for me if I go to college. And here's the quote. He says from Steve jobs, your time is limited. So don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the results of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. Ah, so like this quote has so many things all built up into it. So, the whole idea of your time is limited. I saw a post from another friend of mine from college. Um, his name's Todd. And Todd is, he's been traveling the world. I mean, it's unbelievable how much traveling this guy has been doing the last few years. But he had a post that he shared on Facebook and he said something along the lines of this. He says, you know, we're getting older. And he's about a year older than me. But he said, how many good summers do you have left? 10, maybe 20, you know, you, you can't, and people have often said this, you can't wait until in the future, I'm going to do this (laughs) because you need to act now. Your time is limited. And, and Todd's post really moved me. I Todd, I should add you to my list. That really moved me when I read that it was only like six months ago. And I kept, I'm starting to think more about my own mortality. Eddie Van Halen died too. Your time is limited. Act now. I mean, one of the things I really, really need to do is I have to go to Ireland. I've been doing my big ancestry research and I got to go and I got to go sooner rather than later because, um, you know, the older you get, the more difficult it is to get around and everything else. So I, I need to go, I mean, really soon because um, I've done some great family research in San Francisco and in Butte, Montana, but I have to go to Ireland and really go deep. So I, I need to do that. Um, so your time is limited. So don't waste it living someone else's life. This is interesting. This is a little bit of Ayn Rand stuff, um, a little bit of objectivism is don't sacrifice your own life and live someone else's. Instead, 
live your life, you know, have self-interest in your life. Um, and I, I think that's a powerful message because too many of us sacrifice our lives for other people. We live for others rather than living for ourselves. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the results of other people's thinking. That's escaping the noise that's on Facebook and the nonsense of the proposition ads and the talking heads on television. Um, Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. And that's a big reason I'm doing this podcast as I have a lot of things I want to say. And so this is my inner voice sharing with you. Um, I'm not going to be drowned out by others. And especially for me, I, I, I tend to zig when a lot of other people zag. It's sort of been one of my themes in life that's been good for me and other times not good for me. Um, but I have an inner voice and I'm going to share it. And that's part of the podcast. And it's also part of the reason I need to do more writing. And it's got to be a focus of mine moving forward. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. Trust the gut, man. I mean, it's so true. I might look back at things in my history and I know my gut was telling me, don't do it. But I did it anyways. And it didn't work out the way I hoped. The gut knows, man. Um, the gut understands what's right or wrong. Your gut understands at a deeper, more subconscious level what is for you and what's not for you. So yeah, trust your intuition, follow your heart. That's follow your heart is part of the the BS new age stuff that I didn't understand back when I was young. And now I completely understand it in my middle ages. Follow your heart. Um, so with that, I am going to conclude. This is the John Riley project episode number 176. Wow. We talked about my, my fiasco in the kitchen cooking. We talked about Ben Sass and Amy Cohen Barrett. We talked about abortion. We talked about gay rights. We talked about originalism and versus amendments with the living constitution. We talked about all the political nonsense. We talked about my interview with Chris Olps a couple of days ago, um, talked about the negative inner energy loop, the positive energy loop, negative self-esteem, positive self-esteem. Um, we talked about writing. We talked about Eddie Van Halen. Um, we talked about the road trip I took to Pahrump and I need to do another road trip. I'm, I'm actually have been looking around trying to find a good place to go just to escape for another like three or four days and just to, recharge. I'm really trying to find time to do that before we get into the holidays. Um, but, uh, we talked about Eddie Van Halen and, um, and gratitude and, and, uh, you know, showing the people that made a difference in your life is telling them that and telling them that you made a difference. And one of them for me was my geometry teacher in the 10th grade at Mills High School in Millbrae, California, Claude Blakesley. <laughs> You've seen this guy. He also taught the electronics class. He was this buzz cut dude and, you know, just kind of with throwback from, you know, a previous era. Um, but man, and my other classmates used to hate it when he would go on and on about why you should go to college. Like, yeah, man, we've heard this a million times. But every time he talked about it, man, it moved me. And I think, I don't know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. I probably wouldn't have gone to college. Seriously, I probably wouldn't have. But who knows where the hell I would have been doing. Um, 
my life changed. That was a major inflection point for me in my life. So, okay, enough of that. Uh, This is the John Riley Project, episode 176. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And we look forward to coming back at you. We'll be back on Friday at 2 p.m. We'll see you later, friends. Bye-bye.